Well, this is week number three in our series called Finish Strong. It's been a really, really good series, really challenging series. And we're looking at Jesus' life, specifically during Passion Week, the, the last week of his, of his life. And we're looking at these moments where Jesus encountered things. He encountered different things throughout this week. And if we look real close, all of them are, are sort of obstacles in his way. But he overcame them. And so this is a series that... I, I really wanted to take a strong look at Jesus and worship Jesus. And if that's all we did, that's enough. That's what I wanted to do with this. But secondary to that is, well, let's worship Jesus, but it's, let's, let's learn some things from that. Maybe apply, apply some things to our life. So we talked about a couple of things in our first couple of weeks. Is The first week we talked about anger. Right and a challenging, challenging uh, message for that, and, and Jesus responded to anger with love, and that's so backwards, isn't it? But that's what Jesus did, and I know sometimes that's hard for us to do. And look, I just want to go back and maybe just say this about that message: you're not really when you when you encounter a situation that makes you angry, you're not responding to that person with love, right? That's hard to do sometimes. You don't have an anger on/off switch, you know, but it's diverting your attention to express love to someone else. That's exactly what Jesus did, right? Um, and then the second week, last week we talked about betrayal, and, and a lot of times when you're betrayed, it hurts. When you love somebody and you're, you're betrayed, they break that level of trust. It's devastating, and what Jesus showed us was as devastating as that was for him, he loved fellowship, right? He entered into a time of fellowship with the other disciples and so we can really learn a lot from those things and really today we can learn a whole lot uh, just got a really strong message today and uh, we're going to be talking about denial today <clears throat> denial now when I say that what do you think about Peter but that's not where we're going okay we're not going that way uh, we're, we're talking about Jesus facing denial, uh, a different situation than Peter, than that denial, probably a situation that, well, I believe would be more painful to Jesus. Um, I want to talk to you about Jesus being denied by his father. Anybody ever been told No. Now, don't, not, not as a kid, okay? Everybody's been told no as a kid. As an adult, you ever been told no? That's different, isn't it? That's harder. Or ha- have you ever been denied a request? Have you ever been rejected? Yeah. Been told no by God. Have you ever asked God pleaded with God for something and it never happened, never came. Sure, I'm talking to you today. This is something we never ever talk about for some reason. Today we're going to. We're going to be talking about a father denying the plea of his son. And what I want us to think about with this moment in Jesus' life is as he made his entry into Jerusalem, each and every second brought him closer to the cross. Each second. 
And he knew this. He knew, he knew where he would end up. So he's thinking about this, and it's weighing on him. He's moving forward. He's getting closer, and his heart gets heavier. So when we left off last week, Jesus and the disciples, they were leaving the place where they celebrated Passover together, and Jesus had just instituted a new covenant, as Jeremy talked about this morning, uh, with them, a, a covenant in his body, and in his blood. And we're going to pick up where we left off in Matthew 26. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Matthew 26. We're going to start at verse 36, and we'll read this, these scriptures together and talk about uh, some things. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So we're picking up after Jesus left the Passover celebration. He, he went with his disciples across the city to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is directly across from the temple. You would have been able to see not only Jerusalem, but you know all of the temple complex. And he went to a garden called Gethsemane, and he went there to pray. And he took, he took all of his disciples with him, minus Judas, right? Judas had already uh, jetted, as we learned last week. But then he asked Peter, James, and John to, to stay with him. To remain close to him. Now, why did Jesus do this? Why did he do this? Why did he go pray, number one? And why did he want his friends to be close, number two? He knows what's coming. He knows what he's going to face. And so he goes to pray and he asks his closest friends to help as he prays, you know, we learned last week that we need fellowship. We need fellowship. You know, and that's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's reaching out to those around him and he's reaching out and bringing those closest to him to be with him. Now, in these first few verses, we see something amazing here. We see the anguish, the anguish that Jesus felt. We see his emotion He's troubled and he's overwhelmed with sorrow with what he's about to face. This, this hit me like a ton of bricks this week. In a very real sense, Jesus has already begun carrying the cross. You see the weight of it. Verse 39, you see it specifically right here. Because remember when Jesus was physically carrying the cross, he fell. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus, he collapsed and he prayed face down. And I don't want you to think that Jesus slowly got down on his knees like we do sometimes. He collapsed. He fell face down. 
It just showed you, shows us the anguish that he's experiencing. It's showing that he is serious about this prayer. The typical prayer stance was standing with your face up and your arms up and Jesus is collapsed face down. It's complete humility here. He is, he is saying, God, I don't know what else to do. I'm coming to you humbly. And, and then he did something that has always astonished me since I read it. It still astonishes me today. He asked the father, if at all possible, may the cup be taken from him. Now the cup here represents God's wrath. God's wrath. God's judgment. God's anger. And the idea is when the cup's full, it tips over. God pours it out. So Jesus was asking if there's a possibility, God, that this can be avoided. I know where I'm going. If at all possible, can this be done differently? Can you do it? Can you do it, God? And why this has always amazed me is this. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. This is the guy who walks on water and we see him in this state. It's, all, it, it's always amazed me. Hebrews tells us that Jesus was like us in every way in that he felt emotion. He had feelings. He was tempted like us. And this is... This is so evident right here in how we see Jesus reacting. We can see the sorrow and we can see the pain before the first nail is driven. But another thing that the Bible tells us is that though Jesus was like us, he didn't sin. He didn't sin. He lived a perfect life. And so... At the end of this request, it's not, not as I will, but as you will, you see. Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. You know, Peter, you're supposed to be the leader of these guys. You know, he kind of calls out Peter here, holds him accountable for the rest. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus returned to the disciples, and remember what he asked them to do. Come pray with me. I need you. I need you to be with me. Come pray with me. He didn't find them praying, but found them sleeping. You know, on top of how Jesus was feeling, on top of everything that he was experiencing, he didn't get any support from his friends. Anybody ever go through that? He told them to watch and pray. He wanted them to be alert and to pray as well, which is extremely important. And we'll talk about more, uh, more of that in just a moment. Verse 42. Here's another thing that amazes me. is He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So Jesus went once uh, to God, to the Father, 
And he went a second time and he prayed the same thing. And look, if we didn't see this the first time, we definitely see it now. Jesus is struggling here. He's struggling with this. And upon returning to his disciples, they were asleep again. And it's kind of interesting if you read through it. It's, this time it says their eyes were heavy. So it's almost like they tried to stay awake, but their eyes got real heavy. And sort of like some of y'all right now. I can see you, you know. <laughs> um, this time, though, he didn't wake his disciples. He left them. He left them there. He didn't ask them to pray either. He left them asleep and didn't ask them to pray. But what did he do? He decided to give it one more shot. One more shot. He made one more attempt to make his plea to the Father. Verse 44. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, in these verses we read, we, we see this astonishing moment, this snapshot in the life of Jesus before the cross. Before the arrest, actually. And Jesus is suffering. He's sorrowful. He's extremely emotional. And in another, a gospel, in another gospel account, Jesus is feeling so much anguish that he bleeds from his pores as he prays, which is a real thing. I looked it up. It happens under extreme stress. As hard as Jesus prayed and as, em as emotional as he felt, the Father denied Jesus' request. And literally, look, within minutes, Jesus was arrested. So that's, that's really all the scripture I want to focus on. I just want us to talk this morning. And... and you might be thinking, what in the world can we learn from that? We can learn a lot from that. First thing, prayer is essential to finishing. Prayer is essential to finishing. Uh, in seminary, uh, finished that a while back, and I was required to take this writing class. And look, I've already got a, a bachelor's degree, have another master's degree, and so I'm working on this seminary degree, and I'm thinking, I don't need a writing class. I know how to write, you know. So I called them and said, is there any way I can bypass this? And, and they said, no, it's required, number one. And number two, they said, you'll, you'll need it. You'll need it. Just trust us. And I was like, okay, whatever. But you know what? They were right. They were right. As I got further along into it and down to my last couple of classes, they got harder and harder and harder. And I'm like, this is good. This is a good class. Like, I'm so glad I took this class. It prepared me. Look, prayer is essential to finishing. You may think you don't need it, but you do. And one day it's going to pay off. You see, some of you, here's, here's a challenging statement. 
Some of you are just coasting, going through the motions. Prayer isn't really a part of your life. What we learn from Jesus is that he prayed throughout his life. He didn't deviate from it. It was an ongoing thing for him. Uh, It's very important here that we notice as Jesus is getting ready to face the hardest moments in his life, what is he doing? He's praying. He's praying. Near the end of his course, he didn't let up. He continued to pray, and Jesus told his disciples to watch and pray. Did you see that? We missed that part of the story so much. Jesus prayed, but then he said, you pray with me too. To be aware of what's going on around you, and guess what? They didn't. They didn't. They slept, and they slipped. Can you remember that? They slept, and they slipped. See, I can't even say it. You can remember it. If you sleep in your prayer life, you'll sleep in your real life. <laughs> Follow me. After this, they all scattered. Peter denied Jesus three times. Think prayer is not important? They slept and they slipped. Peter denied Jesus three times. How many times did Jesus pray? Is there a coincidence in that? Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, this is why prayer is essential for us. Our spirit is willing. I know you want to pray. I know you, you, know you need to pray. I know you think you're good. Look, I trust you. I feel like that a lot too. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. If we are to finish, we must stay connected to God in prayer. And another important thing is prayer shows faith. Prayer shows faith. Think about it. Either you're talking to an imaginary friend or you're talking to Almighty God. Prayer shows your faith. It shows your dependence on God. And think about this. In reality, you're going to the one person that can do anything, that can overcome anything in your life. Nothing is impossible for God. He is sovereign. You might think what you're going through is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That's what the Word teaches us. You may be going up against the hardest thing in your life, but when you pray, you're going to the one person in all the world who can do something about it. My kids believe I can do anything. <laughs> That's a pretty cool feeling to have. You know, makes me feel good. Um, Noah is struggling right now with writing, and he's, he's in this phase where he's got his W's and M's mixed up. <laughs> so he always gets confused and inverts them, and I'm trying to help him. I hope he grows out of that. But he, I'm helping him with that. When, when my kids are scared, they call for me. When they are sad, they run to me. They want to be with me. When they don't understand things, they ask me. 
when they have a problem, they come to me and expect me to figure it out. They come to me, you see. They believe in me. They trust me. They believe I can do anything. Do you feel that way about God? That's the way we need to be. Jesus, Jesus showed us here that prayer is essential and necessary for us to be able to finish. Second thing, second thing, very important. Sometimes God's will is different than ours. Sometimes God's will is different than ours. I've read through this and read through this. I knew I was going to talk about this. This is what's always sort of bothered me. Um, this is what has always challenged my thinking and my faith in this. But we see this perfectly in Jesus. We see this clearly in Jesus. We see Jesus going to the Father and making a request. And, and the Father denies that request. You cannot explain this any other way. We know that, looking back on it, we know that God had a different plan in this. God's will was different in this. You ever had that happen to you? Come on now. You ask God for something? Sometimes you go over and over again. You go back to him. You, you ask him. You plead with him. You beg him in some situations. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Maybe a job, maybe you've been laid off, you know, or you were laid off in the past and, and you're, you're praying that God would provide for you a job and then the weeks go by and then maybe the months go by and you're like, what's going on, you know? Or, or a marriage, you know, your marriage is falling apart and you're just begging and pleading with God. And it doesn't get better, but it gets worse. Sickness. You know, maybe you're sick. Maybe you have a disease and you're praying to be healed and the healing doesn't come. Come on. Am I talking to you? I can't tell you how many times I've prayed with someone holding their hand, doing the best I could to intercede on their behalf for them to be healed and the healing doesn't come. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know why that happens. I don't know why that happens. But I do know that sometimes God's will is different than ours. Sometimes what God wants is different than what we want. Now, that doesn't mean that God is bad. It's just that he has a different plan in place. He can see things that we can't. He can see things down the road that we can't. He knows things that we don't. His plans are far greater than what we can comprehend. You know, I know some, sometimes things don't work out the way that we want them to, but Scripture teaches us that his plans are always, always for good. For good. Romans 8, 28, many of you know this verse. 
And we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good. Now that all things is what you need to highlight. Don't focus on the good. In all things, the phrase before good means the good and the bad. The easy and the hard. In, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And this is very important here too. Who have been called according to his purpose. His purpose. His will. You know, things, things that happen to us aren't always good from our perspective. But God always uses everything for good. For good perfect example and I'm going to move on after this perfect example is Jesus and the cross you, you look at the cross and you tell me that that's good what happened to Jesus is good you see it was for good it was for good we, we call the day that it happened good Friday You and I are able to know God because of it. Is that good? Yes. Our sins are able to be forgiven because of it. Is that good? Yes. The entire world was blessed by the cross. Is that good? Yes, absolutely. You see, it's for good. Sometimes God's will is different, but all the time God's will is for good for good so what do you do here's the question and we'll move into the last point what do you do when God's will is different from yours what do you do when you don't get the answer you wanted what do you do when God says no strength this is the last point strength comes from trusting in God's will strength comes from trusting in God's will Jesus strength started with prayer we saw that in this story, didn't we? It started with prayer, and his strength came from his relationship with God the Father. That's where his strength was. And then he got stronger as he trusted in God's will. I want you to look at this last slide. We got the three moments here, and I want you to see this. Okay? I want you to see this. First time, the first time Jesus goes to the Father in prayer, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not, I, not as I will, but as you will. You see, that's the first time. That's the first plea. And there's sort of some desperation in there. May this cup be taken from me. The second time, I want you to see Jesus gaining strength here. The second time, if it is not possible. You see, the first time, if it is possible. Second time, if it is not possible. And then look at the may here, the second time. May your will be done. You see the strength building? The first time, may this cup be taken from me. Second time, may your will be done. Third time, by the time he gets to the third time, the hour has come. Rise, let's go. Now I want you to notice something here. Jesus isn't running away. When he says rise and let's go, he's going towards. He's going towards what he's facing. Jesus wasn't running away. He was charging forward. Very important. Prayer changes things. But most importantly, prayer changes you. Did you hear me? 
I think sometimes we, we go to God in prayer with the intention of changing God. Many times prayer changes you. It changes your outlook on what you're facing. It changes your confidence in God and his plan. Prayer leads to trust and trust leads to strength. You know, by the time of Jesus' third prayer, he was completely confident in God's will. That's what I wanted you to see. And he moved forward in complete trust. He said, rise, let's go, because he knew he was moving forward in God's will and in God's strength. Jesus was able to endure the suffering of the cross. We look at the cross and we think, how in the world could someone endure that? How in the world could someone go through that? It started right here. started right here prayer and trust what are you dealing with today you may be here suffering you may be here with anxiety about something going on in your life you may be facing something coming up that you're unsure about or you're scared about surgery something like that You may be suffering with an illness. You may be so depressed about what you're going through right now that you don't know what to do, whatever it may be. Listen to me. If you're struggling, I just want to encourage you to do these two things. Pray and trust. Pray and trust. What we look at Jesus in this moment are these two things. Genuine, heartfelt prayer and complete trust in God. You know, go to God openly and humbly and keep going to God. You know, I know many of you might say, well, I've been going to God. Nothing's happening. You know, Jesus prayed before he walked on water. Jesus prayed before he fed the 5,000. Jesus prayed before he raised Lazarus from the dead. Did you know you could be one prayer away from a miracle? Keep going to God in, in prayer. Keep going. And then a lot of us stop. A lot of us stop at the pray part. You need to transition into trust. Sometimes we don't get there, but ultimately that's where we need to be. When Jesus prayed, we see that he transitioned into trusting God. And because he trusted in God's will, he was able to move forward with confidence and finish his course with strength. We need to do that too. We need to do that too. We are in no better place than when we are taking our hearts to God and when we are trusting in the will of God. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, we thank you for your message to us. As we see this moment in Jesus' life, we see how he felt, what he was thinking, what he was feeling, what he was struggling with. We see that he prayed. He, he came to you knowing that you are sovereign, that you are the one person in all the world that could do something different. We see that he did that. But then we also see that he trusted completely in your will. Father, I pray this morning 
if, if we're here and we're struggling with some things, I pray that we would learn from this. That we would see the importance of prayer, but then we also see the necessity of trusting in you. As we learn today, you work out all things for good. Father, we thank you for the perfect example of Jesus. We thank you for his endurance. We thank you for his love. We thank you for your grace. Father, if there's someone here this morning that's far from you, that doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray that you would draw them close, bring them to yourself. I pray that they would see Jesus as their perfect sacrifice who took their place on a cross. Father, I pray for those that are struggling with their faith, that they would be encouraged by looking at Jesus today and what he went through and the difficulties he faced and ultimately he overcame them. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.